0: Hi, and welcome to The Bipolar Feminist. Today, I am here with Javon Thomas, who is the original Keith, known as Javon, our loving brother and compatriot, Javon on TikTok. And he is currently a uh, grad student.
1: Um, So my program is uh, forensic Mental Health Counseling. Um, right now, what I'm doing mm-hmm. is uh, focusing on the mental health and wellness of the, of the Black community, mm-hmm. as well as reaching out to the youth. In the Black community, so young Black men, young Black boys, girls, those who are in need of regulating their emotions throughout the community right now.
0: Thank you. And thank you so much for joining me. One of the things that I first noticed about the way in which you speak on TikTok is that your knowledge is always backed up by not just facts, but a really good analysis an understanding of your subject matter especially in your knowledge of the black community anti racism and anti sexism right. where did that kind of passion for that kind of analysis come from
1: i've always been someone who's uh, been very outspoken but it's it's come with um with
0: some introverted
1: tendencies and with those introverted tendencies i've mm. taken time to do research spoken to professors colleagues close friends those directly affected by what's going on primarily in society today and just being somebody who's very passionate about this you know mm. it's not easy speaking on things especially being a black and latino man in america mm-hmm. um, i constantly get scrutiny and you know ridicule for the way in which i address people and talk to those who may dig, who may think differently than i do And so that comes Uh with a cost. But at the same time, I try not to stifle or limit myself when it comes to having these conversations. And, you know, I try to do this to uplift and inspire the younger generations of Black men in our community.
0: And particularly some of the things that I've noticed is that you don't shy away from being your entire identity online. You don't shy away from the AAVE. You don't try to whiten your identity to make yourself palatable. And was that a process for you? Because I know it was for me. It
1: it was a process. It was tedious. It was me saying I don't give a damn about anybody who may think that um, the way in which I speak is considered ghetto. For a long Mm. time, as, as Black people, we've always been told that we have to present a certain kind of way. and As I, white
0: as possible.
1: As, yeah. Assimilating to whiteness has never been my forte. And I've just been someone who's kind of taken a step back and done my own thing. It's worked for me thus far. At times, I've seen Black people attempt to break out of that mold and it's just, Mm. you know, for them they're afraid to do so. And so when I do it, it comes just naturally. I don't shy away from being me and that's just Mm. what I'm all about.
0: And specifically about the kind of TikTok family that we've cultivated. Absolutely, yes. It is quite a fantastic community. Yeah. There's a sense of not just Family, but people who have never met each other. Most of whom who've never met each other, but right. people who will have each other's back no matter what. And how has that enabled your activism and your sense of direction?
1: It's motivated me seeing other black men and women, and black male and feminine presenting people who are fighting some of the same causes as me. Mm-hmm. Seeing and having conversations with people. That are going through some of what I'm going through, but they also have that no nonsense attitude. Yeah. You can um argue that we're kind of like colleagues who were placed in different parts of life who are meant mm-hmm. to come together as one. Mm-hmm. And I that's how I feel, you know, having community is important.
0: Oh, and absolutely.
1: Being co- Community with, with others is is something that we've all have strived for. And on, yeah. on TikTok, it's just, it's been touch and go, walking on eggshells, not really knowing who to turn to oh. at times, but eventually coming to a common ground and place with people that you probably would have never met in your real life off the app. I know that a lot of times when myself and I speak, do talk, um, we have to remember that social media is the extension of our real lives. Yes. Even though we are digitally, we're virtual, you know, people still recognize us off app or they may see us. And, you know, it's taking me to do more research. I love to read. I've always been a book nerd. I've always been someone yeah. who likes to research. And, you know, they've kind of motivated me to do that more. So I'm really appreciative mm-hmm. of the community that we've grown into
0: And specifically with the TikTok tussles, it's hard. (laughs) Oh, man. It's like sometimes we'll come across a literal Nazi. Yes. And do you think that it has opened us to more hatred as BIPOC people? Or do you think that it's just brought it out into the fore?
1: It's been a mixture for me. I've been able to um, reach White people that think differently and have to educate them, they turn the new leaf. Others are stuck in their ways. Indoctrination um, is, is very fickle. It works oh, yeah. in ways of putting those in danger that are not conforming to certain ideologies. My first introduction, one of my first introductions to the app was that of me having a one-on-one with a white woman who was telling me that box braids didn't come from out of Africa. Oh, and so geez. I that has been like my, my um experience on TikTok, being on the app for two years, seeing how it's evolved, seeing some of my very intelligent and intellectually sound black creators get their accounts taken away, getting mm. banned. I've been doxxed. I've been swatted. I've had cops at my door. All of this has happened. Um, I've told mutuals, friends on the app, you know, I love and I respect you. Please don't get involved. Because a lot of times what ends up happening is that when we go after bigots, a lot of times those bigots will attack those close to you or who is in proximity to you. Yeah. So it's definitely been touching ground.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it does expose us to a lot more hatred and danger yeah. but i don't know if you agree with me that i feel that interacting oh. with these people on a day-to-day basis through the app has actually sharpened my absolutely definitely sharpened my sense of what is right what is wrong how to yeah. present these arguments and the keenness mm-hmm. of my arguments and how to focus things have has gotten a lot better do you right. find that as well
1: I'm able to focus better on live. So, as I've stated, I'm an extrovert with introverted tendencies, and yeah, it was kind of at first when I first went live. It was weird, you know. I'm just watching myself talk to like it was like I'm talking to myself cool, through a camera. Strange. Comments. So I had to get used to that after, and then just after a while, you know, doing it multiple times, I just got used to it. And so, once you know that happened, and you know, join lives with other people, having conversations, it's helped me navigate the waters of white supremacy. Yeah, and viewing how people maneuver. I brought up this book earlier today, um, Pedagogy of the Oppressed by Paulo Freire, yes. and it speaks on dehumanization and how a lot of times if not all the time, those who are oppressed, we are stripped, you know, of our agency. Mm-hmm. So I just, being and and having that knowledge of that, I've had to sit and, you know, really collect myself in, in so many different ways, but I've just, I've I've never, you know, I, I use notes. I have yeah. saved files on my tablet, on my phone mutuals reach out to me to join conversations. Professors have seen me on lives and we've had mm-hmm. conversations after class and they applaud me for how I conduct myself and, you know, not to suitable. you know, not to give in to what society would want me to do. Continue doing what you do. And mm-hmm. I people see me constantly doing what I do. I can't stop. I have to
0: keep going. And we have to. Until yeah. recently, until seeing just how much work goes into podcasting, vlog creation, and mm-hmm. TikTok content, mm-hmm. I used to always think that, you know, online spaces are just adjacent to the work. But now I have start to see how integral it is to the work because of our altered reality because of the pandemic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And how do you see online spaces fitting into the ultimate goal that we're trying to attain in right. terms of black liberation, equality, gender, liberation, anti-capitalism. I'm able to reach you. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that
1: the, the very, it's pros and cons to social media, right? With the, you know, social media being around for a couple of decades now and, um, seeing the progression and the, uh, the change over time. It's, it's inevitable that we will continue to have change, but we must also be mindful and very wary that there are individuals on social media websites that do not have our best interests at heart, those who are looking to harm us because of who we are. I could simply sit in a room, merely existing, and get attacked. I think with many different movements going on, when the MMA W2G movements and highlighting the violence against Indigenous women, the Black Lives Matter movement, the overturning of Roe v. the instilling of Jim Crow laws back into this country down south and some trickling up north. What TikTok has done, it's been an automator. It's standed the test of time through a very trying moment in society where people were at a crossroads. So, you had people that have had COVID. You also saw the unaliving of a Aubrey, of Beyonce yeah. Taylor, of George Floyd, of many other, of Dante Wright, of the most, more recently Tyree Nichols, of all different Black and Brown people being unalive. the the
0: unaliving of Jelani Dane. Um, you can't say killed. And this is the TikTok effect, right?
1: Yes, I, that too. Having to just see everything play out. I think that there's a positive side to all of this at times, and we deal with the negative pretty much all the time. Yeah, it's crazy, but needed. And I, I kind of love the chaos at times. I, <laughs> Same. I, I, I yeah, I, I say that because, in the words of El Haj Malik Shabazz, you know, the most disrespected group of individuals is the black woman. Yeah, and. Black women don't get enough recognition for the things and the contributions that they have done mm. for society. And my goal, one of my many goals is to um, give back to those who began this very long and tedious movement. Because the Black Lives Matter movement wasn't the first. The civil rights movement wasn't the first. It You know, but eventually, you know, how many more movements must we need before, you know, so I want I, mean, I want social media to, you know, progress somewhere.
0: I don't know if you've listened to any of the previous episodes, but one of the previous episodes from this season was just after Tyree Nichols was killed. Mm-hmm. And it's 30 minutes of reading the names and ages mm-hmm. of Black people in the U.S., unarmed Black people in the U.S. who were killed mm-hmm. by police. And I had to do that recording four times over because every single time I would trip up and think mm-hmm. every single name on this list was a mother, a brother, mm-hmm. a sister, mm-hmm. a niece, mm-hmm. a daughter, a cousin, a friend.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that trauma of losing the people who look and sound like you. Mm-hmm. And then the multiple deaths mm-hmm. that have not just happened physically, but the character assassination of these people that happen in the media afterwards, like, Oh, George Floyd had this rap sheet. Or that kind of misdemeanor against him.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: What toll does it take on the psyche, the collective psyche of black folk in the U S?
1: Absolutely. That was hard. -hmm. I, I, That was the first thing I saw on Instagram that day. So I had Mm -hmm. opened my phone after doing an assignment for my multicultural psychology class. I opened my phone and that was the first thing I saw was him on on the ground screaming out for help. Yeah. You know, nine minutes, 19 seconds, you know, the knee was on his neck. It was hard to see that, yeah. And it 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 was hard because as 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 a black man, it scared it it scared me in yeah. more ways than one. And so it kind of pushed me more to uh, speak out more than what so I do now. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, now we're here and I do this for the men and mm-hmm. women who have lost their lives to law enforcement officials because they're mm-hmm. not here to um, mm-hmm. fight for what they need, fight for their justice. They're, they're not here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, we do this not because we have to, because we want to, because we need to. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's not out of
0: obligation.
1: Right, I just want things to progress differently.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess we've touched on this conversation previously yeah. about your focus being on specifically Black men's mental health,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and why? Why do you think specifically Black men's mental health is so important to focus on, especially in this day and age?
1: Black men need out. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are not seeking the mm-hmm. necessary help that we need. You know, black men collectively we are we're not in community a lot of times with each other. And seeing the introduction of the uh, passport bill movements by the pillar mm-hmm. population, seeing brothers join that and those different kinds of movements that have been proven to harm women, proven mm-hmm. to harm other men, even proven to harm themselves, you know? Yeah. All of these movements birthed from white supremacy feeding into the patriarchal system that we live in. It, mm-hmm. it hasn't gone away. And so I see a lot of Black men with podcasts to spew forth very dangerous rhetoric that is reaching very young generations of Black people, of Black boys and Black adolescents in high school, Mm -hmm. those in their preteens and middle school, those that are just Mm -hmm. children in elementary school, you know, Mm -hmm. they don't need to be exposed to that. Myself, Mm -hmm. I've, I've spoken on my battle with mental illness You know, I've never been given an opportunity to speak on how I feel growing up. And I know many Black men can attest to that. He was not given that. You know, toughen up. You'll be okay. Toughen up. Mm. Suck it up. You'll be fine. Pray it away.
0: And that is rooted in white supremacy, misogyny, and capitalism.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's hard. It's very hard. I think to uh, to Twitch and, you know, it, it really broke my heart to see how he left. Mm. And that's, you know, I say it many times, that could have been me. Yeah. Because I was at that position before. You know, you look happy okay. on the outside, but inside you're suffering. Yeah. And I understand how hard that can be to fetch your battles by yourself. You don't have no one to really speak to, no talk to. Even though you have family, or you may have a support group, that may not be enough. I do my best to reach uh, as many black men as I can. Mm. Um, but that's, you know, again, even what I do is not enough. And I prepare myself for the, the worst.
0: Yeah. So. But one of the things that interests me is that, you know, A lot of people say, turn to the church or turn to Mm -hmm. your family, shy away Mm -hmm. from medication and therapy. And I think it's a brown thing the world over Mm -hmm. because, you know, only white people are afforded those bad days and those bad mental health days Mm -hmm. because you're made to feel less worthy of the skin that you're in if you let your brain get you down. Right. And within the Black community, I see that very often, but often Mm -hmm. you're turning to the church and you're turning to your family, but those are either the people who traumatized you in the first place, or they're the ones carrying that generational trauma all the way from slavery. Yeah. And how does it manifest in the kind of work that you're aiming to do?
1: It's harder for me to help break away from indoctrination, especially for Black men that uh, are in and stuck in that mindset, where, you know, patriarchy is is a minefield. Oh yeah. To navigate. Sometimes I step in one area, it's clear, you know, yeah. but sometimes I step in another area, and yeah, you know, it's not easy. And I'm at times speaking with those who are heavily Catholic, Christian you know, Mm -hmm. those who are heavily religious, you know, some who have shared stories with me about, you know, trauma in the church and, you know, having to experience all of that. It it was never easy for them, you know, them looking for support group, you know, looking to, you know, detoxify and decolonize their mind. I mean, just never were given an outlet to do so. And, you know, that's where I step in and Mm providing that outlet. It's not easy, but I love what I do.
0: And you have to have a passion and an intense love for your community to be able to do something like this because, you know, it was Sheik Guevara who said that, uh, and I paraphrase here, that Mm -hmm. no revolutionary can actually do the work that they're doing without love. And that love for the community, how do you navigate the pain of being from a community that has so much history of pain mm-hmm. toward a goal of wellness? Mm-hmm. I'm not I, about I the easy it. questions. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I do it for those that are contemplating not coming back, those who are contemplating leaving this earth. I'm empathic. So I can mm-hmm. tell when someone is in pain, like someone else. I just have that feeling. I have that intuition at times. I think I, I, I got it from my mom. I use the love in, in, in a way to regenerate this community in the black community that we haven't seen in a very long time.
0: Mm.
1: Black people are hurting. Black women are going to get help. Not black trans people are getting help. Black LGBTQI plus they're getting help. They're decolonizing. Black men yeah. are not getting help. We are not taking initiative as serious as it needs to be. And black women and other black people are telling us to do it. Mm. And many are tired of talking. Yeah, they walk away. And so I I don't get upset at that. Because how many times are you gonna tell somebody to go and get help? Yeah. You know, you, you could lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And it's hard to walk away from the black men that do not want help. So I know they're in pain. Yeah. And it's really hard to leave them by themselves. Because I was by myself many times before. Seeing them suffer, yeah. seeing them cry out for help, but not wanting to get the help, it's hard. Yeah.
0: I see that a lot in the Indian community, the Indian diaspora as well, where they're so hopelessly clinging to these old traditions. And the toxicity is so ingrained into the culture that you almost pity and say, it's not their fault. How are you navigating through your own experiences? And I know this is a personal question, so you don't have to answer it if you don't want to. But how are you navigating your own experiences through this journey of discovery of your community and trauma?
1: To be honest, at times, in a healthy way, other times, not so healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, Some days, it's it's really hard for me. Um, My depression... Will kick in unexpectedly. And it kind of um, hinders how I am maneuvering life. You know, my everyday-to-day activities, I may wait till later. I may wait till the next day, the day after that. Mm. You know, and then I have to walk outside at times, and then my anxiety starts to kick around people. Mm. You know, COVID-19 in uh, the quarantine. It, it had a, a very negative impact on my mental
0: health.
1: Mm. I had a couple of mental health breakdowns throughout the year. I had COVID. You know, mm-hmm. I am sick. And I lost a friend that year. I'm so um, sorry. To, yeah. Thank you. It was really hard that year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was hard. I just recently lost um, a very close mentor of mine in high school um very close a dean a teacher a coach someone who we all looked up to someone who was you know a sweet sweet man someone who i inspired to be you know very loving caring very active in his community gave back I, if not for him i don't know if i would have finished high school he helped us out a lot and that was hard to um Say goodbye.
0: Yeah, um, I'm so sorry for your loss. Yeah, it's
1: it's very touching, though. I mm. try to uh, be the best that I can be, and you know, sometimes like my depression and anxiety tells me nothing today. Oh yeah. So yeah,
0: like so just, hey, yeah. you're feeling good. Nope, no, you're not. Nope, not today.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I just you know, I I joke. You know, like to clown a lot. It helps seeing other people Mm -hmm. um, happy. And it it does.
0: I think that's part of the reason that I've been like constantly in and out of Daisy's lives for the past two days. Because I'm going through a depressive episode and I'm trying to avoid going out and spending money. (laughs) (laughs) And buying makeup and buying like freaking stuff that I can fix from secondhand stores. Because I'm that person who breaks things just to see how they work. Yeah, But we all have our coping mechanisms. One of the things that I was very interested in, especially in my recent readings, has been the notion that that generational trauma in the Black community has made it impossible almost to navigate or to work through or move through things like grief. And the system in the US is rigged. Against the black community, the BIPOC community in general. So having access to healthcare, having access to resources. How do you envision it changing?
1: Dismantling white supremacy is is not our job. Yeah. White people and their, their forefathers and ancestors, they're the ones who crafted the construction of, of race and Mongoloid, or Caucasoid—you know Mm -hmm. the classifications of how you know the depictions of how they put Black people and Asian American or Asian people, Indigenous Native people, Pacific Islander people in a certain box in a caste system, Mm -hmm. and that caste system has existed for four hundred plus years. You Mm -hmm. know, with the reintroduction of Jim Crow laws down South, I do see something on a larger scale happening to where we will begin to move into a direction where we will have to progress in hopes of giving more resources out to those who are in in need of it. Mm. They have the healthcare system is heavily racist. Medical racism continues to thrive. Mm. Um, And so I see the healthcare and mental health system you know, essentially being the main targets in this fight for liberation because many are suffering. And with indoctrination comes the focus on mental health. That it doesn't get talked about enough, but it's yeah. important. it's there. You know, you can't ignore it. You can't you can't disregard it. Cause eventually, you know, it's kind of like when you put I'm trying to think when you put peppermint inside of Coca-Cola and you try to close yes. the top, it's yeah, it explodes. You know, when you bottle up emotions for a very long time, eventually it it explodes. Yeah. You know, it's it's gonna be a a point in time where, you know, people who have not dealt with their mental health, eventually they they go off because it was there for so long, they just never dealt with it. So I definitely do see healthcare being the focal point of this yeah. in, in the future.
0: And unfortunately, a stat I read recently in South Africa is that only 24% of mental healthcare professionals, and that includes psychologists and psychiatrists, and sometimes even neurologists, only 24% are people of color in a majority black country. And that stat must be abysmal in the US. Mm-hmm. Relying on free services and the goodness of people in a capitalist system, in a system that has dictated individualism. That is a challenge. Yeah. And I see you, Jevon, as being one of the few who are able to rise to that challenge. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's a hard task and heaviness on your shoulders?
1: Yes, I, I <clears throat> it's hard now. <laughs> I've kind of tackled, you know, most of where I see myself going, entering into college. It's is a beast within itself. I mm. already have the obstacles and the odds stacked against me. Mm. Um so once I entered into grad school, um, a lot of my classes are predominantly white women. Yeah. So I'm I'm there to not only stay claim but prove a point. You know, Black people, we are here to change, to change the face of many white, predominantly white corporations and businesses. You know,
0: mm.
1: Big Pharma has had a stranglehold on the healthcare system here in the United States, and it's just yeah. a, impacted so many families, you know, especially with the introduction of COVID 19, so many suffering. Mm. And I see, you know, I see psychologists and psychiatrists and counselors doing their absolute best to, you know, help people. But not every single counselor, psychiatrist and psychologist is for someone. You know, it's the reason why they see different clients at a time. Because it's just not going to be a good fit at times. You know, it's like a puzzle that you're trying to fix. Some certain pieces don't go together. You know, you have to find the perfect fit. Yeah. And And I... You know, I I so eloquently do it with grace, but I also do it, I I do it with brash Um, at times, or just a little bit of arrogance so that people understand that I'm very serious about where I want this to go. Yeah. You know, where I see Black people, you know, heading in in the future from now.
0: Yeah. I would call it a little bit of, positive audacity Mm -hmm. like you have the audacity to be brave in the face of such severe oppression and that's something I truly admire and when I read this paragraph by Angela Davis earlier it made me think forward to our conversation Mm -hmm. and she says Ferguson reminded us that we have to globalize our thinking about these issues and if I were to be critical in a friendly way of the text this is The New Drum Crow by Michelle Alexander, I would say that what it lacks is a global context, an international framework. And now that we saw after George Floyd, we saw so many countries joining in, in this almost collective breath against the the injustice that we're seeing and how it manifested in different places, like Churchill's statue being defaced and... Mm -hmm we're seeing so much attention being put on mass incarceration. Mm -hmm. How do you see the global focus on Black Lives Matter, the movement, mass incarceration, and all of those things manifesting in the psyche of the Black American man, who is the biggest target of the police and the prison industrial complex?
1: It would help in bringing us together forward more,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: creating coalitions, you know, to help the betterment of our people. And it's happening, there's a coalition out in Chicago of black men who help patrol the cities to ensure safety. There are black men, um, I forget the city where they are at the gas station ensuring that black women are getting their groceries and they're getting their gas safely at night Mm. without anyone harassing them. Yeah. So it's happening. You know, and the new Black Panther Party, you know, being in, in this existence, we are aware of the in- introduction to the Black Panthers and why that happened. And now, you know, so many decades removed from that, mental health for Black people is continuously being talked about.
0: Mm. That is the goal. Yeah. When I
1: hear someone speak on their mental health, I have done my job.
0: When That's I hear excellent. someone
1: take you know, the next steps in uh, configuring out their life, you know, with their diagnosis with PTSD, with major yeah. depressive disorder, schizophrenia, etc. Mm-hmm. I have done my job. When I see black yeah. men going to focus groups and joining these coalitions to help the, the betterment of our people, I have done my job. So it's up to the current and next generations. And generations yeah. after us to move that goalpost in the right direction. Where mm. it needs
0: to go, keep on moving forward. Really, yeah. And how tempting is it to just burn it all to the ground?
1: I'm willing to do that. in, in order <laughs> to, um, Yeah, I'm willing to do that as well. Yeah, to get the message across. And I, I won't kid. Um, that looks like that may happen sooner rather than later. So I'm, I am definitely preparing myself for that.
0: Somebody told me once that you come in peace, but you prepare for war. Mm-hmm. And that to me is quite indicative of being prepared for the violence that the system perpetuates against us. Yes. Being cognizant of that violence and not being afraid to meet it
1: with mm-hmm. violence.
0: Wow. Yeah. There's a book suggestion I have for you. It is, I can't remember the exact wording, but Peter geldelus how nonviolence benefits the state, or something to that effect. It's something that uh, Watch My Legs introduced me to, Oh, 2021. Yeah, late 2021, she introduced me to it. And ever since then, I have changed from being a pacifist into an all-out accelerationist. (laughs) In working through mental health within the Black community, what do you think is possible? in terms of seeking emancipation?
1: Everything. I think anything and everything can be possibly reached, can be possibly corrected, Mm -hmm. could be possibly achieved. I think Mm -hmm. the possibilities is actually endless. I know that um, this will probably all happen when I am long gone. And I hope, that if you know any kids that I have grandkids you know my my sister you know any children that she may have or not have the generations that come after mine that they run with that baton across the finish line
0: Mm -hmm.
1: they continue to move forward because this isn't the end of what needs to happen I think as a collective we we must continue to move forward Yeah because it's not easy. Seeking change is never easy.
0: Going but, against the system is never easy.
1: Right. But hey, you know, I like the challenge. <laughs> so,
0: yeah. I love that. And my final question before I let you go, because you need to sleep. <laughs> Um, but I'll probably see you on TikTok in like maybe half an hour or so. <laughs> <Right. laughs> maybe. Um, maybe. Just see you through the TikTok streets. Just, just Maybe. <laughs> maybe. At least not everybody has Desi sleeping habits.
1: <laughs> I commend her. I can't pull a 12-hour shift. Actually, but yes.
0: Mm-mm. Okay. I mean, I do it like a 90-minute live and I'm like, okay, I'm done now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. But... What is on your essential reading list for Black youth, off the top of your head? Oh, wow. Um,
1: hmm. I would definitely recommend reading the autobiography of Martin Luther King Jr. Wise mm-hmm. beyond his years, you know, seeing his contributions to. Not only the civil rights movement, but Megan Evers, Malcolm X, Angela Davis, mm. so many astonishing black men and women who have stood the test of time and you know Martin was very admirable. Mm. I know a lot of racist white people had to throw MLAK quotes at us during Black History Month. Mm. It's but so this cringe. Is a very, it's it's very cringe. But this is a very remarkable book, brother. Yeah. Very, very intelligent. Someone who strived for change up until his very last days. Mm. And.
0: I would say to his last breath.
1: To his last breath. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I highly recommend that. Reading yeah. that book.
0: Yeah. I don't know if you've seen my link tree, but I've got a list of, well, somebody asked me to compile a list of a Black history, Black American history, a reading list. So I compiled one as quickly as I could. But if you are willing to and able to, I will give you access to that document and you can add whatever you need to it. It's very rudimentary at the moment, but I'm I'm trying to like kind of formulate a database of BIPOC literature and leftist literature, so you are most welcome to add to it, however you see fit. The book that I'm reading right now, well, the books that I'm reading right now, because I read like seven (laughs) or eight books at once, is... It's it's what we do. Yeah. Freedom is a Constant Struggle by Angela Davis, How Europe Underdeveloped Africa by Walter Rodney, White Tears, Brown Scars by Ruby Hamad, and the other book I'm reading is about the anti-Muslim sentiment in India. It's a novel called The Ministry of Utmost Happiness by Arundhati Roy.
1: That sounds amazing.
0: It is incredible.
1: Yes. I will definitely look into all these books, actually. Um,
0: Thank you. Absolutely stunning. And Arundhati Roy's politics are just fantastic. Her writing is beautiful. It's rich. But, yeah, it's it's a mission, having to be better than them. And... uh, I am so honored to call you family, Jayvon. Thank you,
1: Nikita. It's likewise for you. I'm. I'm. It's a pleasure speaking with you tonight. I I really do appreciate it. You. You are very knowledgeable, and you've helped us out more ways than one. You know, my gratitude is very, very much so towards you. Um, thank you
0: so much. I appreciate you, and have a good night, and uh, chat soon
1: you too Mm and as you say stay dangerous
0: stay dangerous yep (laughs) have a good one (laughs) take care brother